What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up, Wedgecast listeners? On this episode of the Wedgecast, I'm hanging out with Kimberly S. Reed. She is a global diversity and inclusion expert. She's a strategist. She's a speaker. She's an author. She is just a freaking hilarious human being, and she's just brilliant. And so I had so much fun uh, talking on this episode of the Wedgecast. <clears throat> One thing that I know about good public speakers is they take you through a different set of emotions. You 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 laugh. Sometimes you cry. Sometimes you have uh, more, much more serious conversations. Then also you get to the point with walk away with some pearls of wisdom. And on this episode of the Wedgecast, she absolutely does that, and she just crushes it. So I'm I was so stoked to have Kimberly S. Reed on this episode of the Wedgecast. I'm I'm excited for the listeners as well. Tune in. Well, Kim, thank you for being a guest on the Wedgecast. Thank you for having me. So you are based in Philly, right? I am based in Cherry Hill, but uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. But okay. It's usually the, but we don't, we call it the Philadelphia region. So that that you could say that too. So I, I mean, I just have to ask, where is the best place to get a Philly cheesesteak? Because I know, I know, I know, that's probably the question you get all the time. But I, from an outsider's perspective, where do I got to go? <laughs> well, I will tell you, I'm a New Englander, right? So I am not, I am not a native of Philadelphia. So you're probably asking the wrong person. <laughs> or say, arguably the right person because you're an outside perspective. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you, Matt, what I will say is I've had it at Iskabibble, which was yummy on South Street. 
I've also had a yummy one at Del Frisco's. Can you believe that? But, you know, so so it all depends. It depends what you like. But, you know, I hear a lot of Philadelphians, they go to South Street, and they go to either Ishka Bibbles, they go to Pat Steaks, and, you know, and they rock out. So I've done I've done both. Um, I, I love it. But, you know, as you get older, Matt, you can't. You can't taste cheesesteaks a lot. You know, watching my girlish figure here. <laughs> See, I have I have the problem is I'm not that I'm you know, somebody described it earlier today that I'm a little bit vertically challenged. So I grow wider than I do tall too quickly. So I, I can relate to that. I I gotta be a little careful. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So so Kim, like what's what's your story? What's your background? So my background is, you know, so I I'm an entrepreneur. And that I absolutely love. It is the hardest, one of the hardest jobs that I think that I will ever love. And I have spent time prior to becoming an entrepreneur about 12 years ago now. Um, I spent, you know, 15 years in corporate America, and I've had the blessing to work with some of the most influential global organizations um, today, or, you know, around, I should say. And it was, you know, amazing. And, you know, I had an amazing career and I worked with some of the brightest people on the planet. And so some of the companies, you know, that I worked with, you know, I've worked for Campbell Soup, mm-mm, good, you know, PwC, you know, a, a lot of the uh, spent time on Wall Street, believe it or not. And it was just um, a fantastic ride. You know, so why did I leave corporate? Well, I left corporate for two reasons, kind of corporate left me a little bit, and I left corporate. And what I mean by that is that at any time in your career, you have to be ready, right? And you say, Kim, what do you mean by be ready? Well, you have to be ready for the turn. If the turn is a promotion, if the turn is downsizing, or if the turn is leveling up what you're currently doing, those are three aspects of your career that you always need to think about, right? And so for me, my last great gig, um, I worked for an exciting uh, company, and I worked for two great, three, three great people. And so at the end of the reign of the role that I was in, um, both of my managers and manager's manager left the firm. So then leaving the firm, you know, made me think about what are my options? And they said, you know, Kim, the reason why they were leaving, the reason why I was getting ready to leave is because, you know, there's always shakeup when you have a new CEO, good shakeup and bad shakeup. And for us, being a part of the national diversity team, um, we were kind of shaken up a little bit in a good way to meet the business objectives. But the new direction of the organization just wasn't, I guess, and I say I guess because you never know your true reasoning until you've been out of it for a little while, um, is, you know, was, hey, it's time to, to move forward in another direction. And my boss's boss and boss were so great about it. And they said, you know, Kim, look, we can find you another job within the firm because they were doing some downsizing, shaking up, as I mentioned. We can find you a job in the firm, or why don't you go follow your passion? You love you love to speak. You love people. Um, you've got a strong skill set. You are talented. Go do something else. Go do something what you want to really, truly do. Well, you know, you've got severance. You've got this. You've got that. 
and go do it. And, you know, I was in Houston at the time having dinner with the two of them when we had this conversation and flew back on my way back to Philadelphia on the flight. I decided, you know what? Why not? Let me start my own business in what I know, right? I wasn't going to go basket weaving. I wasn't going to, you know, make clothes. Those are not my talents, right? Or my strengths for that matter. So, but I know diversity. I know diversity and inclusion. And I have helped companies prior to in corporate America to achieve successful business objectives and revenues utilizing and leveraging the diversity within the firm, diversity within its people, et cetera. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do this for real real time, like real life. Like, I'm going to go do this. Oh, shoot. I'm going to go do this. And I did it. And, you know, here I am 12 years later and still loving what I do. Um, I'm a lifelong advocate for women and people of color to ensure that they have a seat at the corporate table and they have a trajectory to the ENC suites of their organization. And I'm going to do that and help them any way I can, whether it's through leadership development, whether it's through development, whether it is through my network or my mentorship to them. But, you know, it is my responsibility because I had so many amazing people, Matt, pour into me throughout the years and continue to do so that it is now my turn and my obligation and responsibility to do that for others. I, like, already am feeling, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go. I mean, that, that's just, that's such a, that's such a powerful, amazing story. So I, I got, I got to, I got to, I have a bit of a challenging question to ask you. So you mentioned you've been an, you've been an entrepreneur for the last 12 years, but I have a hunch you've been an entrepreneur way longer than that. Your title just might not have been that. So where did that fire come from? That's a great question. Wow, I had to think about that for a minute because it comes from so many places. Everything starts with us, right? So it comes from my joy, my zest for life, and the re for anything that I'm doing in life, right? Because I've had too many extraordinary examples. But let's talk about my immediate family for a moment. My beloved mother, uh, who passed away seven years ago on July 31st, 2012. Sorry to hear that. And thank you. Thank you, Matt, very much. Um, it, it is one day at a time, for sure, even though it was seven years ago. But when your everything leaves you, with the exception of God, it is a tough road, no question about it. And my other inspiration and in, in role model, an example of strength and perseverance is my dad, Rhyme Reed. And, you know, between the two of them, their examples were more than powerful. And my two grandmothers, you know, Mary J. Morris and Hattie V. Reed, and that's why as you hear me using middle initials, um, that's why I am so, so deliberate on using my middle initial um, because of the lineage and the bloodline that I come from. I'm extremely proud of that. My grandmothers, both of them were entrepreneurial spirits. My grandmother, Reed, my maternal grandmother, excuse me, paternal grandmother was an entrepreneur and she was strong and she was just loving in her hugs. And it was just, she was just a, a storm, you know, in a positive way. 
my other grandmother, my uh, maternal grandmother, uh, Mary J. Morris, was just an epitome of strength and perseverance and her unyielding faith um, is just what, I mean, wow, just watching that and seeing that growing up and even now as an adult, um, both of my grandmothers since have passed away, but, it, you know, their legacies live on in me. And my mother, she was just, gosh, extraordinary, doesn't even explain it. And I watched her love people. I watched her be kind. I watched her love what she did. I love I watched her just be excellent in everything that she did. And yes, we all have bad days. But even in her last 45 days of her life where she spent in the hospital, um thankfully she was not in any pain. Um, my mother passed away of leukemia and she wasn't in any pain and she had unyielding faith, like my grandmother. And I watched that. I watched that example of when I walked in her to, into her hospital room every morning about 6.45, sometimes 7 a.m. before the doctor arrived, um, she would say, hey, honey. And that, hey, honey, even though I knew she didn't feel well, she still said, hey, honey, I need my lipstick. Did you bring my lip gloss? Did you bring my earring? Do you have the brush I need to brush this hair? And she, <laughs> you know, and I mean, that it was just like this, you know, this amazing woman is, and I didn't know she was going to pass away, but she was still sick in these 45 days in the hospital. And everything she touched, everyone she touched, every doctor, every nurse said the same thing that she was just so spirit-filled and so in her in charismatic and just a beautiful woman inside and out. I am required to be that person. And people may push back on that and say, Kim, you know, you're, you're too hard on yourself. You're not going to be your mother. I'm, I'm not saying that I have to be her in, in the 100%, but the person she was, why would I not want to be like her? She was such an extraordinary woman. And if I had one quarter of the faith that she has, because I'm faithful, no question about it, but I'd be a bad mamma jamma, Matt, for sure. And my dad, you know, my God, my dad, he is just in, in it's just he and I. Um, I don't have siblings. And so he is remains my hero. No question about it. If he had a cape, I believed it when he was when I was little, that he had it hanging up in the closet every day because that's how he made me feel, special, protected. So all of these characteristics, all of the things that I saw, that I felt, and that I had the blessing to grow up with, I it is my responsibility to pay it forward in the sense of spirit, in the sense of heart, in the sense of kindness, in the sense of zest for living, in the zest for what I do every single day. I love it. So, <clears throat> bit of context. I am part of the millennial generation. And <laughs> one thing that I run into all the time is people my age, and I'm not saying it's just part of my generation, but 
it's kind of this constant feeling that the previous generations have really messed things up, right? And one of my favorite things, because I'm like, I, I love hearing everything you're saying about your family, because like, I feel the same way about mine. One of my favorite things to hear is that like, you are so proud and honored, not only to be a part of that, you know, family lineage and background, but like, knowing who you are and where it came from and how proud you are of those things I is like, I got like goosebumps because there's not that many people like that out there that are willing to say that. And especially coming from like my generation where it's like, yeah, our parents did this to me, did that to me, did this to me. It's like, how about we be a little bit appreciative? And so to see that totally flipped on its head and to sh- like, just to see how excited you are to talk about them. Like I, I, anyways, I love it. So thank you for well, that. No, that, well, that, that you. No, well, thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for that. I would tell you, you're right, right? Because I know tons of fantastic millennials. Yes, you all get a bad rap, no question about it. But you all are the most innovative and creative generation that we have. And we, Xers, Yers, um, I'm an Xer, um, but to, to traditionals and baby boomers, we've got to get with it. We've got to develop you all. We've got to mentor you all. We've got to push through with you all. Because I will tell you, you know, we cannot let a generation slide or slip, I should say, because of the stereotypes that you have. Because if people held me to the stereotypes of being an African-American woman, I would not have the opportunities and I would not be able to do what I do every single day. So that's why we've got to get smart as generations before the millennials and make sure that they are positioned for success. Because how, regardless of what we like or don't like about you all, you all are the future right along with us. And going back to, funny, going back to the pride piece, and, and as we continue to talk about millennials, when I was a millennial, <laughs> I did not think this way, right? I love my parents. I, I always have. That, and my grandmothers, I, I loved it. I love the, I've always had wonderful examples, but you look at life very differently in a couple of reasons. One, as you get older, wisdom and discernment, right? That, that kicks in. Um, Appreciation kicks in when you don't have it, right? So my mother is no longer here. So I've appreciated her when she was on this side of heaven, no question about it. But I really, truly appreciate now the wisdom that she whispered in my ear. I appreciate the examples that she showed me because she showed me how to go through adversities in life. No question about it. Um, and adversity meaning being faced with a chronic illness, right? She had a chronic illness, but still being able to smile and empower others to live on when you don't know if you're going to live on. That's some powerful stuff, Matt. So did I appreciate mom and dad, you know, doing for me, paying a bill in college, me not having any college loans for my college education? No, hell no. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. But now as a grown woman, having to go through some stuff, and not have my mother on this side of heaven with me and looking at and watching my dad, how prideful he was when I walked across the stage for my master's, 
and how supportive that he is and how protected that I feel every single day, you know, even though we don't live in the same state, but I know I can call him anytime. I know I can call him for anything and he will do his best to do whatever I do, do whatever it takes for me to be happy and to be, to live in a, in, with in existence without my mom and without his wife of, you know, 44 years when my mom passed away. So, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of great stuff and it's a lot of appreciation there that did I always have? No, but I do now. And that's never going to leave for sure. That's uh, phenomenal. I love that. So uh, you've mentioned this a couple times, talked about, uh, for one, the generational change from millennials um, and, and, you know, people older than that, but also in your life. So mentors, you know, I guess question number one, outside of your parents, which maybe maybe they are the perfect example of this, but <clears throat> um, who have been mentors for you? And then I guess second question to that, did you choose them or did they choose you? Hmm. So a little bit of both, uh, a little bit of both. So I have, gosh, I have probably at least 15 mentors, right? And throughout my years, right? Throughout, and I've, I've cultivated these relationships throughout my career and in, in, in entrepreneurship. But as a grown, as grown up, meaning, <laughs> I guess, grown up in, in, grown up in entrepreneurialism, right? If that's a word, I made it up. So I guess it is. Uh, um, Count it, count it, dictionary yeah, it. we're going to count that. <laughs> um, it, I chose them because a couple of things. One, because of, you know, the, the trail that they've blazed. Um, and I admire who they are as a people. So, you know, when you ask the question about mentors, sure, my mom and dad, no, no question about it. My grandmother's no question about it. Some of my amazing aunts um, and uncles, sure. But when you come out of family in the professional world, I have, gosh, Tony Leatherberry comes to mind from Deloitte, um, Rita Anderson, um, Paul Parker, Harold T. Epps. Um, my some of my amazing girlfriends, um, you know, there have been mentors in, in, in my life. So it, it all depends for me, I think, what you want out of life and, and what what are you willing also mm -hmm. to are you willing to give what you require, right? So what that means is and I'm dancing around this because I I'm thinking as I'm speaking because there's so many amazing people mm -hmm. that attributed to Kim Reed and Kimberly S. Reed, right? And Kimmy, um, which my family calls me. But when, when I approach people, it is because I admire who they are and mm -hmm. what they represent. When people choose me, which is an honor, um, is because they might see light and see the tenacity that was instilled in me growing up and that I do want to be the best. I want to be successful. I think I am successful because I'm successful because I have joy. I'm successful because I am able to do what I love each and every day. 
And can I cut you off real quick, real quick? Sure. So one of the one one thing that I like everything that I'm trying to do in this podcast is designed around basically giving light and telling stories designed around people who are living purpose-filled lives. And I love, 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 like put it, TM it, whatever you want to call it. The fact that your answer to that was I am successful because I have joy, not because of anything you've done from your career standpoint, which you have done plenty, not because you're doing this, this, or this, and not even because you're living life with a chip on your shoulder, but because you have joy. That's the, that like is the epitome of everything I want to do with this podcast. So thank oh you. My that's, God. All I, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. So thank you. Carry, <laughs> carry so on, cool. carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, that's so cool. No, thank you. That's so good. And you know, Matt, you know, and thank you to you. Um, and I hope, you know, I hope that we, 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 we hear this in the podcast. Thank you to you for choosing me and others to tell our stories, because I think it's so important to tell your story Um, and tell your story to share tools of living. That's cool. But share your story because you want people to think differently about their particular situation if they are kind of out of hope right now. Maybe it's something that we say or do gives them the hope to keep pushing through. Because I will tell you, one of the most devastating, heart excruciating pain that I felt was July 31st, 2012, when I had to watch my mom take her last breath. And so I know that people go through that. I have friends that just lost their fathers and their mothers and spouses. And that is, that's tough. It is beyond tough to walk through every single day without someone so close to you. And so if what we do, what I do, can help someone for a moment, then that's what we'll do. So I'm, I'm, so I say bravo to you for even having these podcasts to tell the stories of great people and to tell the stories so it could shine a light on someone else if they're in some temporary darkness or they're just getting ready to give up because life isn't going their way or their career is stalled. There's so many reasons and so many ways for us to get into that space. I've been there. I know. That's um, well, for one, thank you for the kind words and that, that I, it's moments like this that keep me fired up and of, of doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. I, uh, I fundamentally believe that every single person at some point in their life will get to a very, very, very dark space. I, I, no matter what you do, you're going to get to that space. And what I have been so amazed by in this podcast and quite frankly, just everybody I've interacted with that I think is like living life in, in, in amazing ways is basically they get to that space and yet somehow, some way, shape or form, they choose to get out of that or they, you know, find joy, they find gratitude, they reach to the point where, you know, and, and for me, I, you've mentioned this a couple of times, faith is really important to me too. And so just 
seeing stories of how people get out of that darkness and ultimately have an amazing life and choose to, you know, tell those stories and, and encourage people out of that, I think is, is special. And I think those stories need to be heard more. So no, no question. No question about it, Matt. No question. Love it. So you good with a little transition? Sure. Um, talk to me about the evolution of the position diversity in, and inclusion in the work like in the workspace so i would imagine over the course of your career that has that definition may have changed how that where that sits in the organization may have changed so just if you're okay with it talk to me about the evolution of that that position in general sure so diversity and inclusion you know it's come wow it's come such a long way we still have so much work to still do but the encouraging moment for a practitioner like myself is we are talking about it right so years ago it started off as eeoc right your equal opportunity employer and then there's the eeoc excuse me i should have said that first the eeoc and then there's affirmative action right and that in the 60s and you know that was uh, had a different meaning, right? Because it was connected to civil rights in free in our freedom um, as people of color. And as we fast forward to the 21st century, you know, it has such a different meaning because it now is important from a corporate perspective to how a company makes money, or it should be. And what I mean by that is that diversity is equates innovation. It equates not only differences in gender or race, but differences in thought, differences of experience, how people view the world, right? And, and they come into organizations and they bring those experiences and those talents and their diversity and education, and they make a company better. And companies now are realizing that fact. Prior to that, I think we were stalled in diversity probably in the late 90s is because we really didn't know what it meant. What is diversity inclusion? What does that mean? What is a diverse, having a diverse workforce? I thought checking the box and not having quotas or having quotas or affirm, we're doing the right things in affirmative action, that's diversity. Check the box, let's move on. But I think because now it impacts our world our society, economic development. It's, you know, gosh, politically, we've had an African-American president, um, you know, leading this country. Diversity now has such a different power to it. And I'm happy to be a part of that evolution. And I'm happy that companies are realizing and universities are realizing that we have to educate the kaleidoscope of America. We have to also develop them and to make sure that they are equipped for not only the world, but for their social responsibility to society, right? And whether they're going to advocate for civil rights, whether they're going to advocate for women, whether they're going, they're going excuse me, to advocate for the poor, whatever it is that 
is their part of their diversity. And so I, I believe that companies get it or starting to get it, and it matters now. So, you know, they have this, you've had the hashtag Black Lives Matter, and we've kind of, you know, reiterated that hashtag in many ways. But the one that I, the one hashtag that I do love that's synonymous with that is that diversity matters, and it really does. And companies must get on the train, the DNI train, because if they don't, their companies long term will not be successful or sustainable. And that's not, you know, that's is that a Kim Reedism? Sure, mm. but I've seen it go very left if companies do not get on board with it. So, all right, I'm going to ask for advice for a second. And here's the advice, two different hats that I wear, and they're the same, but two different hats that I wear um, that I'd love your advice on. So A, I already identified that I'm a millennial, but I'm also a a business owner. So Uh how can I, how can I do the best that I possibly can in both wearing both of those hats do the best that I can in the context of owning a business, growing a business at a relatively young age. So what's what advice would you have for me as I go about my career to do the best that I possibly can in the context of diversity and inclusion? So in the context of diversity and inclusion, I, I, I think that's where, I think, Matt, that's where we, we, we kind of launch wrong, right? Is because it's not really, you're not, an entrepreneur and you're not going to be successful through diversity and inclusion. You will be successful in entrepreneurship having diversity in thought. I love and, that. You know, I love right? that. That's awesome. Right? Right? So thought innovation, your network has to be diverse. Not saying race and gender. It could be race and gender for sure, but it's got to be in thought and experience how people view the world. We all view the world very different, very unique, and very interesting. And so as an entrepreneur, that's how you approach diversity and inclusion. Now, sure, I have to approach diversity and inclusion from a different perspective because that's what I do for a living. So, you know, my lead-in is always about, you know, diversity and inclusion. How can I help a company, you know, change? How can I help a company's bottom line? How can I ensure that it's in the company's DNA? All of these things I'm asking of and so i have to be prepared to be able to execute against their goals and objectives you know that are byproducts of everything that i just referenced but as an entrepreneur don't make it deep you you're going to dwell in diversity that's who we are as as entrepreneurs right we all have different products we all think differently we all approach our customers differently but one thing that is not different and shouldn't be different is your network because you will not be successful as an entrepreneur without your network. I like that a lot. And I like that you even challenged the approach to my question in that too, because it was like, we need to actually rethink how we're even approaching a question around that topic, which I think, I think is powerful. So thank you for that. Oh, sure. No, thank you. So you already touched on a interesting thing uh, around the idea of like a really, really, really tough part of your life, right? When, when your mom passed away and just seeing that and, and, and 
for one, thank you for sharing that. Cause I'm sure that's not easy. I, I'm sure still probably isn't easy to talk about that. So thank you for that. But, you know, it, throughout the course of your life, even just like, you know, hearing your voice, hearing your joy, hearing your laughter, like you seem like a very optimistic, positive person, but like, how have you found like a portion of your life that you just didn't feel like getting out of bed? And I know like in the context of just saying like, what has been a tough portion of your life and ultimately how did you figure out, you know, a, who you were through that? And secondly, how do you become a better person even in light of a lot of really tough things happening? Hmm, That's a great question. So as I mentioned, the most devastating part of my life, started the first gosh probably started mid-june that's when my mom first got really sick and my dad called me when he they were at the hospital and we had no idea that it was going to um, become what it did her cancer returned and through that time you don't think about yourself. I know I didn't. My dad didn't. We were at the first, at the forefront of my, our minds was my mom has to get better and how can we help her do that? And my dad said to my mom, you know, we got this. Meaning for her, financially, you know, any obligations, responsibilities that she had, he's going to take care of that. So no stress there because financial stress or any stress when you're trying to heal or trying to get better or trying to cross that, cross that threshold um, is, is, is important. For me, I wanted my mom to focus on her faith as she always has and make life easy and comfortable for her. And for me, that was making, turning her private room into her bedroom, like at home, and keeping all of the cards coming and reading them to her from our friends and family. And any little thing that she wanted, she would have. And I've always treated my mother like that, but it was different this time. And I think that God knew that it was almost time for him to whisper in her ear to come with him because it was not me just giving and giving of myself and graciously because I would do it all over again if I could. I would give up my air if I could just have a hug from my mother again um, or whisper Kimmy honey in my ear. I would give it all up. Because, you know, as we know, life is not just about things. Life is not about things. It's about memories. It's about love. It's about giving. It's about people. And so me not wanting to get up when she passed away was just, you know, that's where I was. Because the time that the 45 days that she was in the hospital and when everything started to go awry. I wasn't even thinking about Kim at all. My dad wasn't thinking about himself. All we were thinking about is my mom and how are we going to fix this? And how are we, how are we doing everything that we can? Is, do we have the best doctors? Do, is she in the best place? 
um, every single day. But one thing that a lot of people may not know is that I was the liaison between my mom and her doctor. So I asked the doctor if he would only talk to me or my dad about my mom's diagnosis. When it got bad, talk to me. Because I just wanted my mom to focus on getting better and to keep her joy because she had it. She had no idea she had stage four cancer. She had no idea she was had leukemia that was aggressive. None of that. Um, because I wanted to protect her from that. And I would do it again. And I did it because of the examples in the life that my mom created for me. And more importantly, it was my obligation to God because we have to honor thy parents. And so for me as a Christian, that is biblical, and I take that very seriously. And so it wasn't a thought of me giving up. It wasn't a thought of me crawling into a corner at that time, right, well, especially while she was living and living her last 45 days. I didn't know, again, I didn't know it was going to be 45 days. It just happened to be that. But when she transitioned and when I started watching her take her last breath, it was, it wasn't painful for me because it wasn't painful for her. What And I, I was numb, right? Because I didn't, I couldn't believe this was happening. Like, you know, when the doctor came in to say 30 minutes, 30, 30% her oxygen, my dad and I didn't, we, we looked at each other and we just kept holding her hand and kept talking to her and kept kissing her because she was going to wake up from this or she was going to, you know, be better tomorrow. No way in a million years that we think that she was going to die or that God was going to whisper to her ear, in her ear to take her home with him. And so when that happened, and I never really stopped to grieve because I had to be strong for my dad. I had to be strong for my mom's big sister, um, family. And I saw the examples of strength. And my mom was that person. And I just, that's all that I saw. But the I, one thing I do regret about the entire process is that I did not take the time to grieve when I should have because it hits you like a ton of bricks later in life. And for me, it was about three years, four years after she passed that it started to really hit me that my mom, that the grieving process, I should say, not that my mom wasn't here. I knew that very loud and clear the day after when I woke up and she was no longer on this earth. So I, I think for me, that's the only time in my life that I didn't want to get out of bed. Sure, we go through heartbreak, right? We go through relationships. That, that's nothing. After you've lost a parent, you look at hindsight and you're like, oh my God, I'm so, such a fool. I was freaking crying for two weeks over this guy, right? Or whatever. <laughs> you, 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 you know? You're I love like, that. I'm such a loser. <laughs> I'm like, I'm such a loser. But, but you know, it, it takes a jolt like that in your life to 
level up on your faith, level up on what life is and what you're going to make out of it. It just requires you to level up, period. I think every aspect um, of your life. But when I decided to roll up in the ball in the corner or not get up every day, it was when I had those days of when I feeling sorry for myself because I don't have a mom in my life, meaning a, a biological mother. I'm blessed that I have um, other women in my life or in my godmother um, that are mother figures and that are like my mother. But when you don't have your biological mother, you know, it it it, it, it just really, it, it hits you in a different way at different times. So there's not one point that I could point to to say, hey, this is when this happened. It just happens. It could happen tomorrow that I don't feel like getting up. And we're getting closer to July 31st. So it, it all it, it really all depends. And I think it depends on your examples. It depends on where you are in your life. It depends where you are in your your mind, it's in your mindset. And, and it also depends on the relationship that you had with that person. For me, it was my mom. And she was my, you know, left heart valve. So, um, you know, I'm probably dancing around this a bit, but, you know, there's there's really not one point or there's not one point that I wanted to crawl up in a ball. There's points in my life, throughout my life, since she's been gone, that I did just because of something that was a season or happening in my life that triggered something. We all have triggers. And I think that trigger can help, can, can cause you to spiral. It can cause you to, you know, jump for joy and joyous. But yeah, that's, that's for me, I just had to kind of walk through, walk through it numb at times and walk through it angry at times and just walk. And that's what I'm learning to do every day is to learn how to live without my mom because she didn't teach me how to do that. She taught me how to do a lot of things. But she didn't teach me how to do that. Hmm. That's uh, powerful stuff. And I mean, the fact that how much of an impactful woman she was and just the impact she's had on your life, despite her passing, obviously the legacy that she had on your life to ultimately share that and share the power of that and share even the hardship of her not being around, I think is, is powerful stuff. So thank you for sharing all that. The, uh, the last question I got, you ready for it? Yeah. What is it that gets Kimberly S. Reed out of more, out of the bed in the morning? <laughs> God tapping me on my shoulder and say, get up, let's go. We got to, we, you know, I mean, really, I mean, so yeah. What gets me, I, I told, like I said before, I love what I do. Man, do I love what I do. And I'm thankful that God restored my joy because, you know, as I was explaining to you, you know, my mom, um, when, when she passed away and, and subsequently of her passing, I didn't have it. My God, I didn't have any joy left. I didn't have it. I just didn't have anything in me. And for God to restore that in me, there is no way I'm going to slap him in the face in the morning and not do what I'm supposed to do to make it happen and to make someone, you know, make this, not make this world a better place because I am no savior, not at in any stretch of the means. But what I am is grateful. And that gratitude and that joy 
that God restored in me, my mom's voice in my ear, hey, honey, because that's how she used to call me every morning on her way into work, stopping at Dunkin' Donuts. She had to put me on hold for 15 minutes while she does her order. Um, You know, it was, that's what gets me up every morning, looking at her picture on the side of my bed and knowing that, you know, my dad is rooting for me. All of those things, my great friends, I mean, I have tremendous friends. Um, I, you know, I just have a lot of love in my life. And I have a lot of people who believe in me um, and who support me and who love me and all of these things. That I mean, I, I get up for all of that, but I get up for Kim Reed, too, because I know what I'm capable of. And I'm unstoppable. And I say that with humility. But you've got to believe that you are unstoppable. Because if you don't believe that you're unstoppable, if you don't believe that you have the courage, if you don't believe in your value, in your worth, then nobody else will. Or they won't believe in it more than you do. And they can't. Because you've got to believe in it first. Everything starts with us. We make a decision every morning we wake up. We're going to be happy or we're going to be depressed or angry or whatever it is. You make that decision. So if you don't make the decision of happiness and joy, shame on you. And I say shame on you because I'm not talking about if someone is going through a circumstance of losing a parent or losing someone or or going through an illness or whatever it is. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if you are getting up and you have your breath, then let's go. Man, I I feel like I got to go rattle off some push-ups, go for a run or something. I'm ready ready to run through a brick wall. Come on. That's so good. (laughs) Matt, don't do that. We need you. We need you, bro. Don't do that. Kimberly asked, Reed absolutely just brought it. So thank you for that. Hey, I want to leave one last. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with just to to bring it home? It's okay. I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on? So, yes. I will say, I will say, hmm, hmm. I'm thinking, what am I going to say to just, so, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm, I know that you, I know what you're going to, I know what I'll say. I know, you know. So, you ready? Hit it. Let's go. Come on. Two things. I will leave this podcast with and thank you again Matt for this opportunity to tell a story um, and to hopefully instill hope and ignite a fire um, into someone that needs it well let me uh, let me just start off by saying just to give you a little encouragement to tee you up for whatever you're about to say you're already one for one as the host of this podcast leaving somebody encouraged with a little bit of fire so Going to that was saying you already left me fired up, so you've already, you've already exceeded everything. <laughs> oh well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, two things you got to know: there is nobody like you. You are talented and amazing. So know that, because no one can take away your talent or your education. And lastly. 
the key to achieving your wildest dreams is to wake up every day, every single day, ready for the now and with a vision of your future, not memories of the past. Let's get it done. Go all in in whatever it is that you want to accomplish because life is about chasing those dreams and loving who you are becoming. And that's amazing. That is everything I needed to hear to end my day. So Kimberly S. Reed, I just simply want to say thank you for being a guest on the show because I don't, I, I, I really mean this when I say this, for what I'm trying to do and what Rob, who runs operations with our business and is the editor of this podcast, what we're, what we're collectively trying to do with this thing is everything you just brought and what you just shared in the last hour of this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. So, but Matt, so what, but what's in it for you all? Like this podcast that you all do is just really sharing stories with the world or is there a, is there a business aspect to this? I mean, what is this for you all? Um, so great question. This is, it, it, hmm. it started as an opportunity for me to, I guess, in a, interesting sense, elevate my career to some degree, because I am now allowed to associate with people who are way further along in their career than I am. So it's a great excuse for me to hang out with people way smarter, way more talented, way more successful than me. So it allows me to elevate my career. Now, aside from the podcast, one thing that I I have many things to be fortunate about, one in particular is the network of people that have looked at me in the eye and say, you're going to do something. And I, you know, just in, in, in like in that context. And so there are times that I feel somewhat selfish of the number of people who have poured into me in my life. And so my thought Mm -hmm. to that is why don't I take that in these conversations? And this could be you and I having this conversation over coffee, but why don't I make this something that other people get the experience to have? Because there's a ton of people out there who are down on their luck who don't get to have conversations like this. And I'm Mm -hmm. so very fortunate. And so this to me was an amazing platform to admittedly selfishly, like I get to hang out with some freaking awesome people. So why don't I take that? And why don't I put that in a platform that other people get to share that and have enjoy that experience as well too. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, through that, yes, some business has come some, Hey, I know this person that you should be introduced to, or there, you know, for 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 our our company, there's been some expansion for sure. But in the grand scheme of things, like honestly, it's like just a pretty fulfilling, and I enjoy it, and people keep listening to it. So it's like, let's keep doing it. Yeah, no, that's no, that's I mean, that's fantastic because once you once you send me the link to this, you know, it's going to go out. I have ten thousand people on LinkedIn, twenty. 7,000 people on my fan page for Facebook, um, you know, 5,000 friends on Facebook. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on Instagram. I'm not even at a thousand. I'm so such a slacker there. I know that's the millennial platform of the year, but Aunt Kim is not there. So, um, I love that. I love that. <laughs> 
and Twitter, you know, I have tons of people there too. So, you know, we will get this, you know, once you send me the link, once, you know, we do all this, we will get this out to people and people will know who you are and, you know, I'll, I'll big it up, shout it out, you know, the whole nine yards. So I think it's mutually beneficial because it gives me an opportunity, you know, to tell my story. And, and I hope that you'll consider having me back in 2020 when um, my book will be released. Oh, come um, on. Yes. For, so like <laughs> we can do, we can do the, we can do the pre-book, the mid-book, the post-book, you know, late, late. I, I, for one, I was thinking anyways, like as we were talking like there, this, we could expand this into part two, part three. So anyway, so absolutely on that, happy to do that time around the book. Let me know. And then also I wanted to extend that to say that, you know, if there's anybody from a guest standpoint that you think, you know, deserves a little bit of light, uh, you know, in this that you think would be, you know, just has an awesome story, I would love to have them. So I'll leave, I'll I'll leave, I'll leave that as like a, you know, take it for what you want, you know, what you want to do with it. But if there's anybody else you think is like, yes, they should be a guest in the show. Absolutely. Happy to do that. Oh my God. Totally. I, I totally will. So Matt, what I'll ask you to do is, you know, um, because we, we connected through LinkedIn, but send me something via email that is, you know, just, it could be a sentence. I don't care about what the, about the podcast. Like what's the name of the podcast? It's called the Wedgecast and I'll send you links to, I'll, the easiest one is just a link. So it goes out to Spotify, Apple music, but the easiest, yeah, I'll, I'll send you links to all those. So that's easy. Okay. Yeah. So, and I could share with people so you can, you know, so then I could share it with them when I'm saying, Hey, I'm thinking that you'll be fantastic for this you know, type of thing, like, you know, I'm thinking of a woman, Grace Kellaway, she would be awesome for this, she has a, um, and she has, she wrote a book, I mean, it's, she's had the book out for several years, but called The Confidence Effect, and um, she's just an amazing woman, and a great speaker, and um, I think she'll be great for this, too, and there's other, there's t- tons of people that I know that I think are pretty, are pretty extraordinary and cool people that, you know, I'd be happy to send your way, for sure. Love it, that's, phenomenal and you know be thinking if there's anything else that i can do to help in any shape any way shape or form um i would be uh, more than happy to so let's uh let's keep the dialogue going and 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 we're for sure going to talk before your book comes out but okay keep me keep, keep me keep me in mind between now and then about timeline because i'd love to have you as a guest on the show again um and we can figure out how to play that you know either before the book comes out or after or whatever whatever so it'd be good Okay, no, that's cool. Matt, thank you so much. Keep shining, bro, and keep keep doing what you're doing for sure. I love it. Right back at you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, my Matt, talk to you soon.